This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International. I'm your host, Debbie Specter Weissman, the Dream Coach. This is the show where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love. And as a reminder, I'm here to help you understand your dreams. So if you have a dream that's got you stumped, email me at Debbie at dreampowerradio.com. I can help you interpret your dream or answer any general questions you may have about dreams. So again, you can email me at Debbie at dreampowerradio.com. Well, you know, I'm a big advocate for using your dreams to help you live your dream life. With my training as a coach, I can also identify underlying issues that could be keeping you from achieving your goals. And I can offer guidance on how to overcome those blocks. But I am a coach, not a therapist. And sometimes the issues go so deep that further analysis is needed. This is where therapy comes in. And we're going to discuss this with my guest, Dr. Sage Breslin. Sage has been a practicing psychologist and is now known for her work as a breakthrough specialist. She's also the author of five books, including Daily Pearls and Breaking Through. Welcome to Dream Power Radio, Sage. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Sage, tell me, what is a breakthrough specialist? Well, a breakthrough specialist is somebody who spends most of their time helping people break through any perceived limits. So oftentimes my clients come in and have just been feeling stuck. They may be living a fantastic life, but they know that there's a little more, uh, something that they're not quite achieving. And they're also aware that they don't know what's in the way. You know, it's very different than if you decide you want to cook a gourmet meal and you don't know how to cook, that's kind of an easy one to find out, right? You have to do a little training or you have to get out a good cookbook or get YouTube up or something like that. But most folks who come in for breakthrough work, they aren't really able to name exactly what's getting in the way. And so a breakthrough specialist actually moves down through the layers and looks for the roots of the problem. So how do you do that? What is like the first step you would take when you deal with the client? Yeah, well, there's a lot of intuitive um, direction, honestly. So when I sit down with a client, I ask them where they are and what their goals are. And then we begin to speak just generally about anything that in the past has gotten in their way. Um, I love to teach part of what I do so that I can get them to pay attention to their bodies. And you know, I would say most breakthroughs are made viscerally or energetically. They're, it's not, so to speak, a breakthrough of the mind. Um, 
because it's not something you just think yourself through. You know, most breakthroughs are very emotional, very um, energetic. And so as they speak, I teach them how to listen to their bodies. And I listen to my own body as an intuitive person. And we begin to look to see how the body responds to the story that they're telling me. And I watch and they watch for clues that indicate that there are limits below the surface. Uh, oftentimes I'll ask people, you know, where have you noticed this happening before? Uh, today somebody was talking about feeling uncomfortable about a lot of chaos that had happened at work. And I asked a simple question, when was the first time you remember feeling out of control? And all of a sudden, there was this report about uh, a time in their life when they were like six or seven years old, where things were taking place in the household that were really chaotic. And I asked, you know, pay attention to your body right now. Is that the same feeling that you are having? Is that the same kind of feeling when you get when you're at work? And the answer was absolutely, that was the same thing. And we began to work at really un, unraveling the memory of being that young and feeling out of control. And then something I do that is a little bit different as a breakthrough specialist is I conjure up or bring forth supports for the version of that person at that time in their life. So in this instance, um, this particular person is a pretty deeply spiritual person and loves Jesus, you know, to each his own, loves Jesus. And I said, well, what if we were to bring Jesus into the room in that memory for that version of you at eight years old? You know, what would that feel like? And you know, amazingly started to calm down. And once the calming had happened, we used messages from the adult selves, mine and um, the client's adult self, to remind the younger version of the self that all was going to work out well and that it was important just to retain this information about being supported. And now we'll wait and see because generally speaking, breakthrough work we can notice the resolutions at earlier versions, earlier layers tend to percolate up and affect the current experience of the now. Mm. Well, Sage, I know that you were trained as uh, what I would call a traditional psychologist and spent many years doing that kind of work. And this sounds different. So what is the difference and what caused you to change your focus? Yeah, I worked as a trauma psychologist for 25 years. So the the skill set is actually probably pretty much the same. Um, it's just really the population is different. Um, I would say the population I'm working with now, they may have traumas, but they are the working well. So they are typically... Um, working, have some form of employment or business that they do. And so they're a little bit more motivated, self-made motivated rather than externally motivated. They don't need to come in to see me, but they want to. And so um, with that investment, that commitment, they tend to be excited about the breakthrough work. I'd say a little bit of what is different is um, – maybe how the techniques are used. Um, you know, training as a traditional psychotherapist means having somebody, you know, sit down, describe their problems, 
listening to the problems, maybe helping them process thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Um, and it may or may not include actual resolution at the time of that event retroactively uh, versus breakthrough work is exciting because you can create resolution in the past that then flows forward into the present so people feel less um, uh, less impacted by things that happened in the past mm. so do you find that this technique is is more effective in, in getting resolutions? I'd say that, you know, by design, it's something that I worked on, obviously, for many years to find out, you know, what was that fine tuning? What made a difference? Um, now, when I'm working with clients, I might work with them for three months or six months or even nine months, but they work so quickly and get so much resolution that it's not like the past when a person with a trauma history might stay, you know, 12, 18 months, 24 months, five years, 10 years, because they didn't really feel capable of resolving what was in their history. They just were learning to accept it. So now we're actually using the tool and resolving those kinds of experiences so that they don't impact the performance or the function of today. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, they get resolution quicker. Uh, yes. And I think so. And who could argue with that? It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so would you say that this is more, would you consider said more of a healing technique than a, a, psychoanalytical technique? Well, I was trained in a psychoanalytic school. So um, what I noticed, I was in Chicago when I did my training at Northwestern. And I remember my first job uh, here in San Diego after graduate school. And I remember thinking that the population that I was working with, that the techniques just really were frustrating, honestly, to be a blank slate, to, um, you know, have people lay down on the couch and just free associate. None of those things really worked well with the population that I was using. A, a lot of folks um, with trauma histories, and they gravitated towards me. It's, it, these are the people that landed in my office. They I generally as a population wanted to know that they were safe and if I were to be a blank slate and tell them nothing of my own story I don't think that they would have shared the extent uh, to which they did and I think the sharing and um, feeling that validation was very very important to the process of their own healing so you know I look at what things were like um, in the psychoanalytic world. And I just don't think that the population, it would have worked well. This particular uh, technique that is now really a crystallized down version of what I was using for years and years, it is just, um, I mean, it is a healing technique because I'm studying their energy, but I'm also having them study their energy. It incorporates mindfulness, which 
is very common these days, maybe not in psychoanalysis, but um, it is commonly used. We use a piece of CBT by looking at thoughts to determine, you know, where the issues are, where the triggers are. But when it comes down to actual resolution, we are really calling on a spiritual world. So in that way, it's definitely uh, a healing intervention rather than just necessarily a psychotherapeutic one. Mm-hmm. And also more holistic oriented than medically oriented. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you earlier you did describe uh, one of your patients and, and how uh, you know you're able to help using this technique. Uh, can you give me some other examples of some other types of uh, people who are helped by this technique? Yeah, I work with actually a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs who, um, as I said before, they have a sense that um, there's something more. They may be doing pretty well, but um, that they get stuck. Uh, I recently uh, did a podcast on um, breaking free from fear. And the podcast was specifically designed for women. And I have quite a few female clients who um, play small is kind of how I would call it. They keep themselves very boxed in. They do a job or business that is um, constricted from what they can actually do because of their fears of, say, being seen. So one of the most common fears that we break free from is is being seen. And so if you have a trauma history or you've been abused or exploited in the past, you try to make yourself very small and invisible, right? more you feel like a target, the more you feel that um, you believe that if you're seen, then you'll be hurt. So that's something that might sit below the surface and a person who is doing well in their job, but is really worried about what will happen if I do great. Um, In fact, uh, what will happen if I do so good that I am recognized by the CEO or the COO and I'm given a a terrific um, promotion and uh, a raise, but then everybody in the company will know who I am and what I do and, uh uh-oh, what could happen then? So, you know, there are not things that we think about generally. We think about you know, people who are, say, agoraphobic, afraid of engaging with others and going outside. And so they stay in and, and they play small. But we can look at really well-functioning people who are just playing it small because they have a fear of being seen. Just as much as people have, you know, a fear of success, they also have fears of failure. And the breakthrough techniques are wonderful to combat, you know, where did they fail in the past and what was the experience of how they were treated when they failed? You know, if they, uh, you know, didn't win that soccer tournament in, in high school, uh, how has that carried forward with them? We see actually a lot of young sports stars who uh, don't go on to college or they don't go on to successful careers because they, you know, didn't catch that winning pass and, you know, then lost the championship or whatever. And, you know, we see movies about it, but we laugh and we pretend that that's not real. But that is so real. That's exactly the kind of client who, 
you know, could do the breakthrough work and then alter the whole course of their career. Mm. I tell you, fears of whatever, I mean, you can make a whole list of fears, but the whole idea of fear is probably the number one thing that prevents everybody from living what I would call their dream life. Uh, and with this, we're going to take a short break. We are speaking with uh, Dr. Sage Breslin about fears and therapy and breakthrough techniques on Dream Power Radio. We'll be right back. When is a car not a car? When it shows up in your dreams. Cars are one of the most common dream symbols. If you don't know why you're dreaming about cars or any image, it can leave you confused or scared. But that dream could be a solution to a pressing problem or an insight into a solution that's been bugging you for years. Go to my website and sign up for a complimentary discovery session, and I'll help you understand why a dream is a terrible thing to waste. Go to thedreamcoach.net for more information. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Specter weissman Yes, and welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Specter weissman and we're speaking with Dr. Sage Breslin. And Sage, very early on in your training, you suffered a traumatic brain injury. Uh, how did this affect your career, and how were you able to overcome such a devastating injury? Yeah, uh, gosh, uh, time and a lot of effort. Um, I had a terrible car accident when I was in college. I was pre-med and expecting to go to medical school. And uh, after the car accident, which I actually was wearing a five-point harness in a racing vehicle, and I, I wasn't racing at the time. I was just traveling um, home, actually. And it had started to rain, and another car crossed in front of me unexpectedly. And I knew in my mind I had this split-second split decision, you know, do I potentially kill the other driver if I continue moving forward or do I speed up and try to get out from underneath? And that's what I did. And unfortunately, um, well, fortunately that saved the other driver. Unfortunately, it put me into a spin as soon as I braked and I hit a parked car. So I hit my head in the front, the back and on my, uh, my left side. So the injuries to my brain were pretty significant. Um, really within a few hours, uh, it was pretty crystal clear that, um, you know, I needed to be seen. And I didn't realize how extensive the damage was until about 72 hours after. Um, I lost a lot of my speech. Um, I lost, I was, physics and math were my jam. They were absolutely my language. And I had been in advanced classes and I went in on Monday morning to my calculus class and I stared at the board and went into shock because nothing, nothing looked familiar. And um, I went from there into my physics class and the symbols just looked like, you know, nonsense. And that I probably, I don't know that I've ever had a panic attack, but maybe that was as close to a panic attack as I ever had. And um, at that point in time, uh, went back down to health services and they sent me to the hospital to have an MRI. And it was the start of a very long journey. Um, 
I had to give up medical school because that the damage to my frontal lobe just never really recovered. Um, all of that sequencing, all of that symbolic language went away. And um, lucky enough for me, the dean's staff at UCSD was wonderful. And they helped me really begin to look at other kinds of study that might work for me. The other big picture science that uh, was softer on the science portion uh, was psychology. And so I was unsure of how that was all going to work, but uh, I gave it a go. I got myself into graduate school. and. Um, Many of my clients and friends now know when I'm getting tired because I have all this clinical language that I, I learned in graduate school that is far more accessible to me than elementary language. Um, I might, you know, if I'm getting very, very tired and my brain is sort of like, oh, okay, we've had enough of that, um, you know, I, I will try to describe something and be describing a, a gateway instead of a door. <laughs> you know, or um, an armoire rather than a cupboard. And it's just that, unfortunately, all of that very elementary language was knocked out. And and the, the language that I learned after is kind of what remains. Um, but, it, you know, I, I feel lucky that I was persistent and that I felt certain that if I had had this experience that there was some sort of divine reason for it and that I was going to plug away and make use of my experience. So is this the reason why you became a trauma therapist? It's part of the reason. Yeah. Unfortunately, many people have um, read uh, pieces of my books from here to there heard me speak and uh, I have a pretty extensive trauma history and so this is just one of the traumas I, that I experienced and I think in many ways as I began to specialize first I asked questions that my colleagues were not asking so I would always ask clients hey have you ever had you know experiences that made you feel icky or where you ended up feeling shame or guilt or um, you know that caused you to feel like you didn't want to engage anymore and so I was learning about all of these traumas that people had experienced and when I asked my colleagues you know what kinds of questions do you ask 95% of them weren't even asking for trauma history and so they weren't getting it they were just trying to treat whatever symptoms were walking in. If a person were depressed, they would be saying, well, let's look at medication. Let's look at using some cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was asking questions and then saying, well, of course it makes sense. You've got PTSD. So let's, let's see what we can do to treat that. And that isn't something that is easily responsive to medication. And it's not something that easily responds to CBT or DBT. You know, it, it requires a different approach. So in many ways, the clients that were coming into my office helped me to define what I wanted to specialize in. And below the surface, there was an urge uh, in me and a passion in me that wanted to help people who had been through things that I had been through as well. Um, you know, I think in some ways it allowed me to have a sense of purpose and meaning. You know, when you go through a lot of trauma, if you know 
that some experience that you've had could be helpful to somebody else and make them feel less alone. And especially if you've worked through it sufficiently to have resolved it, where you're doing well, then they look and they say, oh my gosh, you, you went through that and you're doing okay? Well, maybe I can do okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it's your, in fact, you've been a role model for those, those people. Yes, that's a that's a, a lovely title. Yes, I, I would I would like to think so. Yes, good. Well, your trauma was, was physical in nature, but a lot of people have mental traumas. Uh, is the uh, therapy different for those, or how, how do you approach that? Um, no, actually, I would say um, I, I see such a mix. Um, in breakthrough, um, anywhere from you know sexual abuse to physical traumas to emotional abuse by parents, by coaches, by teachers, um, to anxiety to gosh, also even things like um, relocation, uh, where people are sort of ripped away from uh, their their happy place, so to speak. You know what they're familiar to familiar with and used to. So. It really can be any kind of traumatic experience, but I would say sometimes people won't even recognize it as traumatic. So um, I have a client right now uh, who is in a, works for a corporation doing um, some coaching and um, kind of health and wellness coaching. And uh, one of the things that that was difficult for him with the breakthrough work is there wasn't anything where he didn't say like, well, no, my dad didn't beat me and, you know, I didn't have a car accident and, you know, so maybe it's nothing. And I, you know, helped him track something down below the surface. And what we discovered was it was one of his parents had a very, very deeply critical attitude. And that attitude was you know, expressed at a time where he was becoming a teenager. And so one of the things that's most common with adolescents, of course, is that rebellion. And so he realized that by sabotaging his success, he could get back at his critical parent. So unfortunately, he forgot that, you know, once he was done being a teenager, that, um, you know, sabotaging his success wouldn't be very useful anymore. So it meant that he was he played small and now he is breaking through those barriers and looking at um, becoming a better version of him, himself a more successful version and it's requiring that he set aside all of that self-sabotage mm -hmm. well i'm going to shift uh, focus a little bit here uh, to talk about uh, the transformational retreats that you've done all around the world uh, tell me a little bit about them, uh, the kinds of uh, subject matter you deal with, and, and what the benefits of those kinds of intensive are. Yeah, uh, gosh, um, I trained uh, originally in Teotihuacan, Mexico, where you and I met, and um, my intention was really to go and see what it was like to be in a highly energetic location um, where it's known, you know, breakthroughs are known to happen and people were known to sort of recalibrate their worlds. And I spent my first year training under Shaman Lee McCormick and then uh, 
quickly made my way on to working as a shaman myself. And one of the things that I really loved was inviting clients and their loved ones to come both to Teotihuacan, uh, but also to Peru, to Guadalajara, into the Foco Tonal. Um, we've worked in Tahiti, all over Mexico, um, Mount Shasta, um, Elk, which many people don't know, is uh, about two hours north of Santa Rosa in California. Um, there are places in Hawaii that are very energetically charged. And so, you know, what the opportunity is, is if you can go to where there is a natural energy that can support breakthrough and transformation, it takes much, much less energy to sort of break the person down so that they can allow the emotion and the awareness and insight uh, to become known. Um, so, you know, the value to me is it's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, if you want to bake a cake, you've got to soften the butter first so that it's easier to create dough or, or batter. And I would say this is, like what we do in a highly energetic place is it softens all of the restrictions and constrictions and connections to um, our own ways of doing things. So once that's softened up, we can consider alternative ways to do things and to be. And so if we can sort of peel off the outer layers, the core self can emerge and we can live a life that is much more uh, consistent with um, our dream life, um, very much like what you talked about, rather than remaining, uh, you know, mired up into the life that we've learned to live because our parents have said this is how to do it, or our communities or our uh, spiritual sectors have told us this is how you do, this is how you live, this is how you be. And so intensives allow us to sort of get rid of all of those layers and attach down to the core within us so that we can live a much more authentic life. And tell you, it is so, so powerful an experience to undergo. I can't believe that this time has just flown by. So I just have time for one more question. And that is, how can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, I ha actually have a couple of different websites. Um, I have Sage Wisdom Institute, which is my my corporate entity, and that is at sagewisdominstitute.com. Um, one of the services I do is called Come Walk With Me, and I take my services out to the outdoors because when we move our bodies, we're moving both sides of our body and both sides of our brain. So if you've been super stuck, sometimes when you walk and talk, you can actually not only have more insight, but the insight is easier to implement. So um, that is comeandwalkwithme.com. And I have a new website that's coming out. And I got to tell you, somebody hit publish. So it went live. Um, it's not quite finished yet, unfortunately. But it will. Be, it's sagebreslin.com. So even if you just Google my name, you'll find the new website as well. And hopefully here in the next few weeks, that'll all be done. Wonderful. Well, Sage, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. 
We've been speaking with psychologist and breakthrough specialist, Dr. Sage Breslin. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Until next time, this is Debbie Spector Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.